0: Welcome to the Florence Crossroad Podcast. We're thrilled to share with you an exciting message from our weekend service. If you would like more information about who we are as a church and how to get involved, feel free to visit FlorenceCrossroadAG.org. We hope you have an amazing experience and a great week. I want to share with you briefly this morning, how many of you believe that it will be briefly? Briefly. You are men and women of faith, aren't you? Uh, Last week, God gave me a message a week before, uh, and and I really felt, I, I won't say conflicted, but I wanted to make sure that we got this clear. I believe that God, before we were ever born, imprinted into us His plan, the seeds of glory and the seeds of promise. He put into us something that is so spectacular and so great, and our world wants to diminish what God has placed in us. This thought hit me: You had a purpose before anyone had an opinion about you. God had a purpose and has a purpose for every one of your life. before anyone ever cre- ever ever come up with an opinion about you. God had an opinion that was much bigger. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Poke your neighbor and say, wake up. The book of Ecclesiastes, and this was part of my message last week, but it's, it, I'm taking a thread out of here because it's a kingdom message. It's a message that God has, I believe, delivered to us. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, he says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. But and, and we all know that. We've heard songs about that. But this is, the, this is the word the Lord really zeroed in on me. Also, he has put eternity into your heart. Except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. That which has already been. And that which is to, which is to be has already been and God requires an account of what is past. You know what that says? God knows everything. Right. We only know right now, this very moment, this this small little little piece, this slice of time, this is all we know. But you see God knows the end of it. He knows how our lives are going to end. He knows every aspect of our life. He knows every detail, every second, every moment, every thought, every action, everything that we will and have ever done. He knows everything. Nothing has escaped him. He knows the end. He knows the beginning. Do you catch that? You and I can't capture that because we're, we're, we're limited in our mind. We, we have a lineal dynamic to time. But God stands outside of time. He was before there was. He was before there was ever anything that exists. He was. And he is and he will always be. And so he knows the end before the beginning ever began. I love that past, that, that statement. He, he knows everything about everything in our life. And nothing in my life catches him by surprise. He had a plan, a dream he, he had a design. As I shared with you out of, out of Jeremiah, I know the plans I have. God knows what he placed in my life. He knows the seeds that he put into my eternity. He knows everything about all of those things. And he purposed them. But here's the challenge. I was born with the seeds of promise already inside of my being. But when I was born, this world and my, my being in this world plants other seeds into my life as well. Paul would remind us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And here's the thought that hit me this week. Whoever has your ear holds your future. Whoever you listen to and whoever you find confidence in and whoever you seek counsel from has an incredible ability to form your future. Y'all you understand what I'm saying with that? It's, it's interesting to me that, that uh, we need to understand some of the principles. That I, the story of Ruth is a beautiful story, and it, in it, it talks about a number of the things that I'm going to share this morning. Her success as a woman of God. Ruth is one of the hallmark women in the Bible. She was not a Jew. She was in a pagan world, married to a Jewish young man, was widowed at a young age, would follow her Jewish mother-in-law back to Israel. She came out of a pagan background, and she would be used by God in an incredible way. God had placed into her the seeds of her, of her future, the seeds of, of goodness, the seeds of glory, if you will. He, he already imprinted into her life eternity before she was ever born. She'd come to a place in her life that in order for her to progress, she literally had to come under the influence of somebody that could help direct her and give her counsel. Up to this point, she's been pretty much able to navigate her life. But here she's at a point where she needs the influence and the voice of others that could guide and direct her into a good path. I think we need to be very careful about those that we listen to and the information that we glean. Can you say amen to that? I found that It's very important to have trusted mentors, trusted mentors. For example, if you've got a marriage issue, why do you want to go to a counselor that's been married five times? (laughs) You all understand what I'm trying to say? Here's the point of what I'm saying here. Understand you need to do some due diligence to understand who it is that you're listening to. You need to know what their what their belief systems are. You need to know what their backgrounds are. Many, many years ago when I was a young preacher... Uh, I, I invited some men to come in. One of those men, was his name is Owen Carr. Owen is 94 years old. He's still preaching the gospel. I think he traveled over 6,000 miles last year preaching the gospel. When I get old, I want to look just like him. He's a guy that just has, he's an incredible man. But I invited him into my life to speak into my life, to guide me and to, to give me wisdom and to hold me accountable. And, you know, he had, he had the lousiest timing when he would call me sometimes it would be 2 33 in the morning and I you know when my phone rings at 2 33 in the morning I've got news for you I never think that's good news anybody here understand what I'm saying and I'll get up hello hi, Dale, get up and he would then just blitz me with questions and I remember asking him, I said, oh, and why is it you call it such an ungodly hour? He said, because I know at that time of day you don't have time to lie. <laughs> That's the kind of mentor you need in your life. That's the kind of people that you need to speak into your soul. Can you say amen? People that care about you, people that love you, and people that are willing to challenge you in your faith lovingly. Say that word with me. Lovingly. I don't need old grouches. Amen. I am convinced that many of us could be one instruction away from a miracle literally happening in our life. We could be one one instruction, one wise word of counsel away from a miracle. And it's imperative that we listen and have good mentors speaking into our ears. This is what happened with Ruth. In in Ruth chapter 2, up to this point in time, she's she's married, she's been widowed, and she has followed her mother-in-law back to Israel. And in verse 19, it says, And her mother-in-law said to her, Where have you gleaned today? And where did you work? Blessed be the one who took notice of you. She'd come home. she told her the story. She'd shared with her that she'd been gleaning wheat in a, in a field. And, and she, she shared a bit of the story. So she said, so she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, blessed be he of the Lord who has not forsaken his kindness to the living and the dead. And Naomi said to her, this man is a relative of ours, one of our close relatives. Ruth the Moabitess said, he also said to me, you shall stay close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, listen to these words, it is good, my daughter That you go out with his young women and that people do not meet you in any other field. I want you to listen to that again. It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women and that people do not meet you in any other field. Now, when I come across a passage like that, I don't just, I can't zip by it. It grabbed my attention. Why would she say those words that emphatically and that imperatively? I think what she was saying is God wants to take you to the next place, and you need to surround you with people that will be the right people to help guide you to the right place. When God wants to take you to a new place, he's going to look for you in a certain place. He's not just going to look for you in a geographical place. I had a tough time with that word the first service. He's not going to just look for you at a specific address. He's going to look for you at a specific mental state, spiritual state, attitudinal state. And if we're not at the right state, he can't take us to the next place. Somebody, I remember years back when I was teaching a class and, uh, on leadership, and one of the thoughts that hit me is communication. Communication is extremely imperative. Communication needs the right message to the right people at the right time in the right spirit. And you get any one of those four wrong, you're not communicating. You're just making a lot of noise. If you don't have the right message to the right people at the right time in the right spirit, you've not communicated And I think it's extremely important we understand that principle because God wants the right message to us at the right moment in the right attitude. And if he doesn't have any one of those four, all of those don't come together, it's very difficult for us to find the plan and the direction that he has in store for our lives. So verse 23 says, So she stayed close by the young women of Boaz to glean into the end of the barley harvest and wheat harvest, and she dwelt with her mother-in-law. In chapter 3, verse 1, there's this little word, and it's a powerful word. It says, then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her. Now listen to these words. My daughter, shall I not seek security for you that it may be well with you? May I, may I, shall I not seek security for you? That it may be well with you. If you look at the progression in her life, she comes back to Israel out of Moab, destitute and poor. No food, no lodging, very difficult circumstance. She's a beggar who has nothing. She goes into the field of Boaz, she captures his attention. She's gleaning wheat, and, and, and he sees her, and he says to his employers, employees, leave some on the ground that she might pick it up. So she goes from a beggar with nothing. Now she has enough for a good meal. But she's a beggar with a good report because people shared how hard she worked. Boaz saw it as well. And as a result of her hard work, he brings her to the table And there she has more than enough. And in chapter 3, her mother-in-law says it well. I don't only want you to have enough and a full tummy, but I want you to have security so that you never have to worry again. How many of you know that that is the heart of the father for every one of his kids? Amen? God wants us to know the security, the security of a future. And that security doesn't come by what I work for and what I gain. It comes through a person. And that security is found only in Jesus Christ. That's why when these international students come and you have the opportunity to share Jesus with them, you're giving them more than just a name or a theological dynamic. You're giving to them absolutely the most important imperative thing that they will ever know. The, pro- the principle of that is so powerful. Sherry and I in, in April, we're going to be in East Africa. We're going to be doing some pastors' conferences over there and teaching pastors and encouraging pastors. And the, the work in, in, in Africa is amazing. God has done an amazing miracle over there, it's a revival. But it, it needs pastors that can be trained and, and, and encouraged. And that's what we're going to do. And what our heart is is that we can give to them tools that they can take to their region, to parts of Kenya and Ethiopia, to teach people there is hope and his name is Jesus. Amen? That's, that's the whole promise that we have. But in order for Ruth to move to her destiny, written by God, Now, I want you to go back to Ecclesiastes. God put eternity in her heart. He put eternity in our hearts. And in that eternity, He has everything. Everything that we could possibly need. His spirit, the spirit that leads and guides us into truth. The spirit that gives us wisdom and guidance. The spirit that will help us to understand and discern the word of God. The spirit that will give us wisdom and insight to the moments of where we live. That has been placed in our very spirit. Hallelujah. And and I thank God for that. And folks, I would just turn to your neighbor and say, that, that includes you. Amen. Every single one of us but all of us need a good mentor we all need a good mentor we need somebody that can that we can listen to people that 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 have a life experience that we can draw on i thank god for that it's a wonderful thing i look out across this this church And there are so many marvelous men and women who who have lived for God. I mean, folks, if you've got a question, there are people around you that might be able to guide you and give you wise counsel and wisdom. We need to listen to people that have a proven background and track record. Can you say amen? In this life, there's going to be good and bad. Did I tell you anything new there? That there's going to be good and bad, and how you respond to both determines what your future's going to look like. In the book of Matthew, chapter 13, Jesus speaks as part of a kingdom principle, and I love the principles of the kingdom. I shared with you last week that not only did he put eternity in your heart, but he puts the kingdom of God in your heart. He puts his kingdom in us. I love Jesus. I want to know more and more about Jesus But I want you to understand Jesus is the door to the kingdom. And there's far more inside the door than what we find just coming to the door. Don't don't misunderstand that. It's not, I love the Lord and I want more of him. But this thing about serving Jesus is more than just about knowing his name. It's knowing who he is. It's knowing his plan. It's knowing he opens a huge door for us. And that kingdom is something that God has placed into our lives before we were ever born. Oh, man. Pastor, where'd you get that? Just stick with me here. Verse 24 of Matthew, it says, Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced the crop, the, then the tares also appeared. As a words, weeds. Anybody ever grow a good weed garden? I mean, it doesn't take a whole lot of heart to grow a weed garden. I mean, folks, we, how many of you know that's a curse? Yeah. Verse 26, but when the grain had sprouted and produced the crop, then the tares also appeared. Verse 27, so the servants of the owner came and said to him, sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, an enemy has done this. The servant said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let Both grow together until the harvest, and at that time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares, and bind them in bundles, and burn them, but gather the wheat into my barns. Jesus uses a very interesting illustration. He tells us of a kingdom principle. I I pastored in eastern Oregon for a few years and the wheat fields over there, there are hundreds of thousands of acres of wheat. And they, they plant it like in October. It grows through the spring, and then they harvest usually in August, September, August. And it, it's a mov- beautiful thing to watch that, that wheat grow. But also, as you watch the wheat grow, you'll watch rye come up. And you'll see wheat, and it's all about the same size, and rye will rise up above it. And you don't want to harvest rye and wheat at the same time. And so just before the harvest, they go in and they pull rye. I remember having to go pull rye with a few of my friends that had farms. That was not a fun job. It was a hot, dusty job. And what you did was you were pulling that that was not needed away from what was so valued. And this is what he's speaking about. He's he's telling us that good and bad will happen simultaneously. I was born with the imprint of the seeds of God into my life. I was born with good seed. But once I was born, other seed came in. Let me share with you how that can occur. You're six or seven and your mom gets a divorce. And your dad leaves you. That's bad seed. Something happens and your mom is gone and now you're left as an orphan and you're put into foster care in this home and this home and this home. That's bad seed. Somewhere along, along the line of all of that, there's been an abuse. That's bad seed. It isn't something that necessarily you have done, but it's what the world has done to you. We're born imprinted with the seeds of grace and the seeds of goodness and God's blessing and mercy and creativity and all of a wonderful future. But in this wicked world we also have seeds that have been sown into the soil of our life not because necessarily we chose it but because we're alive in a world that is just filled with that kind of violence. And in Unfortunately, what happens with the good seed, the bad seed can grow together. How do we deal with that? I believe God wants us to be blessed. Can you say amen? Amen. How many of you know he wants us to be blessed? And being blessed is a wonderful thing. But how many of you know that if you're a successful person, there's always about five people out there want to knock you off? Why is it that we see, a, 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 whether it's a, a politician or, or a preacher or anybody of, of in the business world, and they, they rise to a point of, of, of some preeminence, they've done a good job, and then there's people out there wanting to pick them off. And if they fail, boy, do they ever get on them. You all understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Jesus said it this way. They will revile you, they will speak evil about you, and they will speak about things falsely against you. And if that happens, I can tell you that you're probably already blessed. Why? Because this is what Jesus said would happen once you have his blessing. Let me bring this plane in for a landing. He's put eternity in our souls. And this world wants to put bad seed into our soul. And God has purposes and plans for us. He has a future and a hope. I love that. I know the plans I have for you. And those plans started before I ever, ever entered into this world. The plans that he has for us. Stephen, he has a plan for your life that's so much bigger than anything that you would ever know. And it's a good plan. And it started in heaven. Amen. God wants good things for his kids. And the enemy would do everything he can to undermine every good thing God has for us. And how we get from here to the blessing and to the future and to the good things that he has really comes back to, what are we listening to? Who are we listening to? There are some people I've tuned off and I've turned out of my life. Because they don't want to listen to the good things of God. They want to blaspheme his name. They, they want to make fun of anything that God has placed in mind. Do you know that he has placed in you a dream? He has placed in you a vision and a goal. He's placed in you things. And there will be people around you that will poo-poo that and try to put pull cold water on any positive thing that you have. You know what? You avoid them like the Plague. Because the good thing God has placed in you, listen to this, listen to this, to whom God has begun to do a work, he will perform it and complete it. But if we're listening to the wrong voice, we'll be sidetracked. Listen to the voice of reason and wisdom. Can you say amen to that? Listen to voices that are going to draw you to the kingdom and not away from the kingdom. I thank God for my wife. I kind of, I go home and I'll turn on TV and I kind of just, my mind just kind of goes to that that nothing place. Guys, you all know what I'm talking about? What's he thinking about? Nothing. (laughs) Really, they have found scientifically that we can do that as men. Women can't. They don't know how to do that. They're connected to everything. But we can do that. And I'll be sitting there in my nothing place, just kind of staring. And some stupid TV program will come on. And the next thing I know, she's abruptly changing the channel. And I'm going, what just happened? (laughs) You know what just happened? Wisdom just happened. A true mentor just happened. Someone that wants to protect my heart and my soul and my mind just happened. Guys, instead of griping about that, you ought to thank God and applaud it because they have your best interest at heart. Can you say amen? Amen. And every lady in this church can say, praise the Lord. Amen. Lord. Amen. Amen. Why? Because God wants to have... He wants to place in us like Ruth had Naomi. He wants to place people in our lives that have our security and our future in their best interests. Who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? I've turned off a lot of stuff, I've turned off a lot of news. I've turned off a lot of projects and programs because all they want to do is they want to just gain advertisement for finances. They don't care about my soul and they don't care about the soul of this nation. You pray for our president. You pray for our leaders. Hear me, church. You pray for the future of our country. Our country is in the most difficult moment as I think it's ever been in my history. I've never seen division like I see division today. You all understand what I'm saying? I've never seen such horrible hatred on both sides of the aisle. I pray for God's wisdom. Would you agree with me in prayer? I think as a church, folks, listen to me. Our nation will crumble not because of the stuff that comes into it but because of what's already in it that won't stand up and ask God for help and the church needs to be a voice that says as for me and my house we will serve the Lord Amen. So hold up our president, hold up our our Congress, hold up our governor and and our legislature, hold up our city council and our mayor, hold these people before the Lord. And I'll tell you what, when you hold them before the Lord, you know God has a wonderful way of getting in their ear. Hello? And secondly, you're the judge of no man. The wheats and the tare were growing together and the laborer said, Should we go and take those dirty, rotten buggers out of here? God says, no. It's not my role nor yours to be the judge of any man. But you don't know what they've done. I don't care what they've done. I really mean that. I don't care what they've done. Because you don't know where they've been that's drawn them to this place to react and act like they are. And who are we to be condemning of people? We cannot do that, church. And if there's one, of the the most horrible testimony of the church is a judgmental dynamic that's happened in Christendom over the years. I'm not the Holy Spirit, and neither are you. And we need to let God be the Holy Spirit. We need to live our life before God. Can you say amen? amen? And listen to good wisdom and good counsel. Would you stand with me, please? Hallelujah. Father, I thank you this morning for your goodness and mercies to us. And in the work of the kingdom, you're putting into us good seed. And it's already there. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd begin to bring revelation to each of us of the plans and the dreams that you have for us. And Lord, I pray that you would not only help us understand the things that you have in store for us, but help us to be willing to step out and say, yes, yes, I'll use the gifts that you've given to me.